it's about that time again. Another episode of the Ex Nihilo podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Williams. Thanks for being on. We've got a great guest lined up for you today. It's all about our show, that is. Our show is all about today uh, diabetes and baking, which, if you think about it, the two kind of seem to go hand in hand, right? People that bake cookies and cakes and pies have diabetes, right? Isn't that how it typically works? Well, our guest uh, today uh, is going to show you how those two things can be very much the opposite. And you can have diabetes, that is type 2 diabetes, the diabetes where um, you uh, don't utilize insulin effectively and you gain it over time um, through poor eating habits or high exposures to sugar how that diabetes can coincide with baking fun snacks. Pretty interesting stuff. But first, our weird fact of the day. And why not do our weird fact on something like diabetes? Did you know that there is something called diabetic retinopathy, which is when tiny blood vessels inside the retina are damaged by diabetes and is the most common diabetic eye disease and is the main cause of adult blindness in the United States. Okay, so most of us are eating ourselves into blindness, which is just profoundly scary uh, to the point where so many Americans are suffering from this, and I I couldn't imagine. So what better time than now to start changing your direction in life and um, trying to heal your body, so not only will you not go blind, but you can also live a happier, more fulfilling, healthier life um, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Okay, on to our guest. Katie Coleman is our guest. She is the owner of the Keeping It Real Food Company, and she's the co-host of a, of a podcast, Diabetes Unscripted, which is a really great show. It's a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd, a person with type 1 diabetes for over 20 years, that is uh, type 1 diabetes different from type 2 diabetes, right? So if you're thinking type 2 diabetes is the one I just explained, where you can't utilize insulin effectively, type 1 is where you have a total lack of insulin altogether or too little insulin. That's something that most children are born with or um, you get at a young age, right? She was diagnosed at age 11 and followed the standard approach for diabetes care for many years. At age 26, she formed the company Grain Expectations, a blog and bakery focusing on whole grain baking foods. However, she quickly realized that despite being so-called quote-unquote healthy, these whole grain foods were not actually diabetes-friendly. In 2010, she changed the name and focus of the business to Keep It Real Food Company with the goal of creating grain-free, low-glycemic snacks and treats using only naturally healthy ingredients that everyone can enjoy. After learning about the gluten-free and paleo diets to her customers, she continued on her own dietary journey, adopting a low-carb paleo diet and immersing herself in the latest functional medicine research. When she when she's not working on her business, listening to her favorite health podcast or reading about nutrition, she loves hiking, playing music around the San Francisco Bay Area, which is a great place because that's where I'm from. <laughs> All right, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review if you like it. Without further ado, here's Katie and I on the podcast. Well, we're back with the Ex Nihilo podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Williams. We've got Katie Coleman. Katie, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm not bad at all. I appreciate you joining me. Um, I know it's you know a little bit later for you on the on the uh, West Coast and in that sort of thing or in the evening. So uh, yeah, definitely appreciate you jumping on. 
Yeah, for sure. Happy to be here. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, Katie is the founder of Keeping It Real Food Company. That's an awesome company um, that that does low sugar, low glycemic, uh, dairy free, soy free, um, gluten free snacks. And I stumbled upon it um, after just coming across the uh, company on social media and and just decided, you know what, I'm going to go for it and ordered just the entire uh, the, the sample pack, I think it was, and I got yeah. everything and I tried it. And so I wanted to reach out to you, Katie, and just kind of hear your story. I read your bio, loved it. Why don't you just give the listeners and meet myself just a rundown of, you know, what you're about, kind of your bio and how you came to found such an awesome company. Okay. Well, um, let's see. My story starts uh, tw- over 20 years ago, when I was 11 years old, um, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And type 1 diabetes is the autoimmune form of the disease. Um, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the two different types. Um, so I got that when I was 11. And I was a pretty normal kid. I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area. So we we ate what we thought was healthy. Um, I played soccer. And I just wasn't a totally normal kid. And so that was pretty much a shock also because we don't have any autoimmune disease in our family at all. Um, and then fast forward 10, 15 years, I started to get really into I mean, I having diabetes, I always needed to pay attention to what I eat. Like, obviously, that was a connection from the start, but the standard treatment was just, Oh, you know, eat whatever you want, basically like, but whole grains, low fat, kind of the standard nutritionist advice at the time and learn how to take insulin to cover it. So that's what I did for many years. And then I started getting really into food, um, when I was an adult and had my, my own kitchen and started getting a CSA delivery and just kind of getting into the whole local and healthier food scene. Um, and all along, my nutritionists and doctors have told me, okay, whole grains, whole grains are the way to go. So I actually started a blog about whole grain baking. Um, wow. And yeah, I started developing recipes and trying to learn about all the different kinds of whole grains. And then um, I moved to Seattle for a few years. And up there, um, people actually start food businesses. I don't know, down here in Silicon Valley, people start tech businesses, but um, up in Seattle, they start all kinds of different businesses. So that's when I got the idea, like, hey, I could actually sell some of these recipes that I've been designing. So I started selling some whole grain baked goods at the farmer's market up in Seattle. And then as I was testing those recipes out on myself and talking to customers, I kind of started realizing that they weren't actually diabetes friendly. Like Mm. they were a little bit better maybe, but it was still really hard to match my insulin and I gained some weight and I just wasn't feeling very good. And, um, around that time I stumbled across this recipe online for flourless peanut butter cookies that were made of basically just peanut butter. And I was like, Oh, that sounds amazing. And, um, that sounds way like better for my blood sugar level. So that's when I kind of started dabbling with, with the grain free thing. So that was actually what came first before I learned about paleo. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I hadn't really been particularly interested in gluten free at the time either, but my customers started requesting gluten free products. And then I started learning about paleo and then that's when it all kind of clicked. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay, grain free is the way to go. And this is better for me. It's gluten free, it's paleo, and this is the company that I want to have. So yeah. that's when I came up with Keep It Real Food Company and some of the products that we have today. And then I kind of further continued on my own dietary journey. Because at the time I was still eating, it was like pretty low carb, but I was still eating gluten and um, 
brains. And, and then once I learned more and more about that, I switched and I've been low carb paleo basically ever since. Um, and I just, my blood sugars are the best they've ever been. And I feel great. And I feel like I'm finally on this path to being like a very, very healthy person. <laughs> That's um, all, what a great story. And you know, what's awesome is, um, well, awesomely interesting, at least you, you go into the doctor and, you know, in, with diabetes and they say, yeah, you know, stay away from sugar, but, um, you know, try to, you know, go for whole grains, Yeah, <laughs> which is, you know, when you think about it now in retrospect, it's crazy, but, you know, explain to that, explain that a little bit and why, you know, why did they bifurcate, you know, maybe like say white bread from, from whole grain bread and, you know, what's the effect actually of whole grain actually on your blood insulin and all that? Explain that a little bit. Well, so the idea behind the recommendation is that it's got the, so whole grains contains the fiber and it's like the whole grain. Whereas with white bread, it's, they extract the starch. Basically they pull out the sugar and make the bread only from that. So it's kind of like making bread from straight white potato as opposed to like from, yeah, I like to, I like the potato theory. So if you, if you picture a potato, got the white part in the middle and then the brown stuff on the outside and everyone knows that the nutrients and the fiber is on the outside so when you think about whole grain bread it's using the whole potato (laughs) but in grain form and white bread is just the white inside so their um justification was that the fiber and the nutrients kind of slowed down the absorption and then made it a little bit easier on your blood sugar levels and I, I think that's probably true. Um, but, but I don't know. I, I really could like, and I think someone, um, maybe it was William Davis from wheat belly actually did a, a study and kind of, you know, people have looked into this and they say that a, a slice of wheat bread will do exactly whole wheat bread will do the exact same thing as a slice of white bread to your blood sugar. Cause it's still got the same number of carbs and the fiber really doesn't make enough of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking, I, I was thinking exactly the same thing. And I think I recall that in wheat belly reading through that. Um, and, and explain this a little bit, you know, you're, you, you know, you're in that transition period where you're still eating grains, but, um, you know, you're still feeling the way you felt. I mean, what did it feel just physiologically or physically in you, just the change after you decided, you know, why don't I drop gluten altogether and see, see what happens? Um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. So I don't think I particularly react to gluten too much. Um, I'm lucky in that way, but I have, there's so much evidence out there to not eat it that I'm just not, especially for people with autoimmune diseases. Um, but I, like I used to get tired a lot, so I would be tired all the time and I would have to take a nap almost every afternoon. And it wasn't like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to lie down and I'm like a little tired. It was like, I have to sleep right now or else I'm not going to function. And that would happen every day. And I think it was blood sugar related. So I would eat, you know, a normal breakfast or a normal, what I considered normal at the time. So a sandwich per se, maybe <laughs> not even like much, not French fries or anything, but just, just a whole wheat sandwich. And then I would get so tired and, um, that's the biggest thing for me was just, I was just tired all the time. And I, and then also little things that I noticed now, like I used to get cold a lot, but I almost never mm. am cold. And even my friends around me will be like freezing and I'm like, I'm good. I, I don't know. <laughs> and it's weird. It's just these little things. So yeah. 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 There's little, there's little things there. I mean, for me, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about that 
that time, I mean, for me, it was about one o'clock in the afternoon and I just would need a snooze right in the oh, middle yeah. of the day. And, you know, I, I played football and so I practiced like at one forty-five, So it was not very advantageous. And so I would <laughs> pump all of these like horrible pre-workout, these chemicals uh, <laughs> to try yeah. to get jacked up for practice. But I, I would be so tired and, you know, those like two thirty feeling those commercials, those yeah. five hour energies. I mean, those are, that was real, uh, yeah. you know, eating, you know, even what you thought was healthy, you know, like a turkey sandwich, whole grain right. sandwich with just mustard, no cheese because fat's bad. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that would be my fuel for the day. All right. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit. You know, I, I was reading, you know, a little bit on, on the site and, you know, you decided to go against artificial sweeteners. And I, I've been doing a little bit of research on artificial sweeteners and people for, you know, people with diabetes. You know, what do you think is the effect on, on artificial sweeteners and what's the what is the effect in the body as opposed to like regular sugar? Or is there a difference? Um, well, the the idea, you know, the basic idea is just that they, they don't have any sort of impact on blood sugar levels and that varies with the exact sweetener but that's kind of, that's like why aspartame exists and all these there's a lot of, of a lot of them out there at this point um and so yeah the idea is that there's no impact on blood sugar levels however there's new research that it does affect your microbiome which is really important for us for people with both kinds of diabetes but in particular autoimmune disease like in order to have an autoimmune disease, you had to have had leaky gut. So that means that your gut is damaged. And if there's any sort of chemicals in your diet that are damaging your gut, then that's just making it a lot worse and going to make life more difficult. It's going to increase your odds of getting another autoimmune condition. Um, so, and, and that was kind of the thing for me growing up was that the, there were food companies out there making products for people with diabetes that were low carbohydrate, but you read the ingredient list and they're just full of ingredients that you don't know what they are, what their purpose is, who knows, you know, if, if you don't know what it is, like how does your body know what it is and what to do with it? Um, and you know, I, this is kind of a horrible joke, but like, I already have diabetes. I don't want cancer also, you know, I don't want, <laughs> like, let me just handle the one and try to, to eat. Not, I mean, I, yeah, that's a bad joke, but, <laughs> but you know, like I don't want to be shoving all these other chemicals in my body and who knows what that would lead to down the line. So I, I really set out to make products that were, that contained real whole natural ingredients that everyone can understand. That's good for everyone. Um, so I, I did, I made the decision to go no artificial sweeteners with the, the company's products. And we do get some pushback from people. People want us to use Splenda or Xylitol. And, and I think those may be fine, but I just feel like the jury's still out a little bit. I don't really understand what it is. And it's important that our ingredients are real, like keep it real food company where that's what we're all about is is keeping it real and like, you know, being super straightforward and honest about our ingredients, making it something that everyone can understand and that's real and all natural. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, some of the things like xylitol and, you know, I'm still, I'm still a little confused on it myself. I know there's, you know, certain xylitol, you know, from corn and, you know, there's all these different versions of it that, you know, it can be really confusing, especially when marketing kind of seeps into it and then they're, you know, and you're standing in the supermarket and it's even more confusing, right? So I I totally understand that. So for for the simpletons out there, someone like myself, (laughs) Hmm. so you're a diabetic and you're in the doctor's office and 
and they say, you know, obviously you want to avoid sugars and stuff like that. Do they do they typically? And I'm just asking this because out of my own curiosity, do they typically say, you know, diet drinks are okay, diet foods are okay? Those are things that are are seemingly permissible for a diabetic. Yes. Well, so I have to. The, the caveat that I have is that I haven't actually gone to see a nutritionist or a doctor. Well, I see a doctor from time to time, but I haven't talked to one about my diet in probably 10 years. Cause I learned pretty quickly that I actually kind of knew more what was working for me than, than they did. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of, of good doctors out there now that are, that are talking to their patients about the right thing. But when I was first diagnosed, which was 20 years ago, it was, it was definitely like we started cooking at home or bake. My mom and I always used to, we, we always loved to bake. Um, and so we switched to, to artificial sweeteners. That was the first thing we did. And cause that's what they told us to do. And I'd always loved diet Coke. So I kept on drinking diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> now I will, you know, wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole, but, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was the recommendation was, was go for the artificial sweeteners. And they said, you know, be careful. Don't, don't overdose on it. Cause you might get a stomach ache, oh. but that was really the only thing. So <laughs> yeah, stomach yeah. ache because there's a tumor growing in your stomach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd hate to pile on them, but you know, it's somehow <laughs> know. Di- somehow Coca-Cola comes out in every, up uh, in every podcast. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> yeah. that. Exactly. So, so you're at, maybe you're selling your food at uh, either your store or online and, and people see that, you know, while you don't have, you know, artificial sweeteners, you do have small amounts of regular sh- sweeteners, right? So you have like honey okay. or some of the other things. Are people thrown off by that at all? That because I, what I typically remember is, you know, folks saying, you know, no sugar whatsoever, but yet you do have small amounts, you know, what's yeah. that, what's your, uh, you know, reasoning behind that? Yeah, well, that's interesting. So we, we use honey and some and coconut sugar in a couple others, but it is very small amounts. Um, so like I said, I really wanted to use all sweeteners that were easy to understand. And I think people, people generally I think they can understand what coconut sugar is. It's basically the nectar of the coconut flower. So it's actually not related to the coconut itself. Mm. Um, And then honey, obviously. But uh, you can, like the fat and the protein and the fiber that's in the rest of the ingredients actually kind of counteracts the sweeteners a little bit. So it does, in fact, slow down the absorption. It's kind of the same idea as the whole grains versus white white bread. Like that extra fiber, it does slow it down a little bit. Um, but really the extra fat. So our, our products are definitely not low fat. They're mostly fat. Um, and that fat comes from nuts and seeds and coconut oil and these really healthy forms of fat. And that, that is what slows down the absorption of the sugar. So Mm -hmm. it really is much, even if you, like, I still have to take some insulin for, so they're not zero carb. I still have to take some insulin for the granola and the cookies, but it's way easier to match that with the insulin than something that's going to spike it really quickly and then drop. It's almost impossible to match your insulin to that. I see. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I was going to ask that question next, you know, if you're going, you know, if you're kind of doing the low carb thing and you're off you know, gluten, what are some options for people, right? So are there any other fuel sources? You mentioned saturated fat, you know, that's gotten a horrible reputation over the last several years. I mean, explain the the health benefits of that and why maybe that's not as bad as, you know, most people might think right off the top of their head. 
Oh man. Um, I don't know that I can speak to that scientifically, but, um, yeah, coconut oil is one of those that's full of the medium chain triglyceride, um, that are really, it's really a healthy fat and it helps your body burn fat. Um, and it is saturated, but I believe that it's one of the good types of saturated fat. And I think they kind of debunked that recently. Um, yeah, I'd have to look that up exactly. Um, but right. And then it's just like the, the healthy fats, the omega threes, those are found in, in nuts and seeds and there's all kinds of nutrients cause it's a whole food. So, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, me and your, me, like I said, mentioned me and my wife, we tried all of the food. My favorite was, um, I mentioned to you before the show was the no grain granola because you know, growing up, one of the main things I've missed, um, kind of as I've decided to change my diet is cereal. And I yes. just feel like I love like the crunchy with milk, you know, yeah. I miss that. And I don't do dairy either. So, you know, I'll, I grabbed your granola and just ate it all immediately with some, yeah. some almond milk. You know, what are some of your favorite recipes on the website? Let's switch gears a little bit and talk. So food. good. Yeah. Well, I actually literally just before we started talking, I finished off a bag of my coconut cookies, which are so dangerous for me to have <laughs> around because I just eat the whole bag, but they're, they're still crumbly and we are working on the recipe to, to change that. So there's often like a a good solid amount of crumbs at the bottom of the bag. And I had that with some coconut milk. Mm. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> and it reminds me of that. Yeah. Like cereal with milk where, and then you add a little bit too much coconut milk and then you're like, Oh, well, I guess I'll pour in a few more coconut cookie crumbs. <laughs> so it was back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> so yeah, the, those cookies are, are so good. But I think probably the product that I eat the most is our seedy crackers. Yeah. Those, um, those contain just flax, sesame, chia salt and pepper so it's only those five ingredients Amazing. which it's hard for anyone to complain about those five ingredients <laughs> yeah it was, that was the you know the same issue with with the uh the the granola is the same is the same issue i have with crackers it's like you miss crackers or yeah. putting something on them right and so your your substitutes were just amazing so to be able yeah. to and i've you know i've got a, th- a three-year-old daughter and uh-huh. uh my son is well he's too little to be eating right now but soon but she loves right. the crackers and she obviously lo- loves the peanut butter cookies oh yeah <laughs> yeah those so are her good. favorite so <laughs> one of the things i didn't get to try with the black bean brownies on your site explain those a little bit oh, people are, might go wow black beans like are in those brownie. still on this that's funny we actually don't sell them anymore um maybe but, that's why yeah, you were in the past yeah um, but yeah, you can actually, and you can find a lot of recipes online. So a big reason why we don't sell them anymore is just cause, um, they don't really work packaged long-term and most of our products now we're shipping out to grocery stores and have a little bit longer shelf life, but definitely check out like Google black bean brownie recipes. And there are some out there and they, they make a really good substitute for the grains and they're, it's really fudgy. It's super good. Yeah. That's, that's crazy because, you know, you think of beans as kind of a savory, you know, Mexican food type. But, you know, you can be creative with some dishes, right? So let's talk about that. You know, what are some of the the fun things that you've made, you know, over the years that maybe didn't make the site that, (laughs) you know, were maybe creative, (laughs) something like that, that maybe you'd like to share a little bit with us? Well, one of them, which we don't sell anymore because it did have um, some flour in it, was our, I loved this one. It was a beet walnut goat cheese muffin. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so the muffin itself is just like this beautiful magenta color because it was mostly made of beets. And then we topped that with uh, crumbled goat cheese and walnuts. 
and it just it was like this perfect sweet savory balance and like the crumbly walnuts got nice and toasty in the oven and they were super good at farmers markets on a cold seattle morning Mm. (laughs) um but yeah people got it kind of got thrown off by that because they thought it was a savory food too but it's really if you take something like a root vegetable or a bean um, like beets or black beans and you and you just add sweetness instead of salt and herbs it it becomes like a a treat instead that's amazing yeah Yeah, and i've you know i started baking and well i've been i've been cooking my whole life my 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 dad kind of put me on you know being in front of the in in them on the stove no problem but baking was kind of like the last frontier for me so it was a little scary and i tried some some different things i tried like some garbanzo bean brownies and um did some different stuff and i got creative yeah Talk me through a little bit, you know, your journey into into baking and kind of how you evolved. And, you know, you seem obviously seem extremely passionate about it. You know, what's right. what's behind that? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the reason why I have the success that I do is because I'm not formally trained at all. <laughs> and so oftentimes when I would talk to, you know, I've, I've worked in various kitchens um, just for my own business because we, we used to use shared kitchen spaces. So I would be around other bakers that had a lot more official training than I did. And they would, they would say, well, it's impossible to make a cookie without wheat flour or, you know, like you can't do that. It doesn't work. And, and I think because I didn't know that I was like, well, I'll just try this and throw a little of that in and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) But most of the recipes that we are, that our products that we sell are made from are based off of something that existed before. So, you know, like the flourless peanut butter cookie, I first just found a recipe for that online. And then I, I always just cut the sugar in half, no matter what the sweetener is. I just, it's like, you never need as much as the recipe says you do. So that was always my first thing. And then we used to make our own peanut butter. And so I would kind of do it in this special way so that it was kind of thicker and made better cookies and so, you know, it's just been like tweaking here and there, um, but experimenting is, is what's so fun. And, and I've always been kind of a rule breaker and not afraid to just try stuff. Yeah. So I definitely encourage people to, to go for it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Like you have to throw it away. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I, I think that might be key. I don't, you're not, you obviously you're a professional, but I mean, I, I've had my share of, you know, oh, that was awful. So I need to dump right. that. <laughs> Yeah, it happens. <laughs> so, you know, on top of that, aside from just giving it a shot, what are a couple other things? I mean, where's a good place to start? You know, simple recipe for someone who just wants to you know, maybe start cooking or baking with some paleo recipes. Where's a good? What's a good few tips you have for people that just need to get their, you know, their beak wet a little bit in, in the in the practice? Um, well, my so my f- two favorite things are a saute of some sort. So I'll literally just throw a form of oil or fat in a pan. So sometimes I'll cook bacon in the pan and then just leave the fat that's in there or olive oil or coconut oil in a pan, whatever greens I have, just chop them up and throw them in there, make a big scramble. I, so I actually, I post this on Instagram a lot. I have a hashtag daily saute because I pretty much make one of these every day. It's awesome. like just some sort of saute vegetables with eggs, almost always avocado and usually stuff that I get from the farmer's market the day before. Um, I try to eat as many greens as possible. Um, mm. so I usually have one of those in the morning 
and then a big salad in the afternoon. And my salad's usually more of those same greens, some tomatoes, some sauerkraut, some fermented something of some sort um, for the good gut bacteria. And then there's almost always avocado involved, but I do live in California, which makes it a little easier for that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So just, you know, veggies, chop them up, cook them or eat them raw. And that it's it's so good. And your body will thank you. (laughs) And you know, I, it's, it's clear that it's probably better to have low sugar anyway for everyone. I mean, regardless right. of if you have you know, diabetes or not, it's definitely good to go low sugar. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from the stuff you've got on your website, are, any, are there any other you know little treats you like to have that you know maybe you can recommend for us? Ooh, low sugar treats. Um, well, I'm a big fan of dark chocolate, just super dark chocolate. Yes. Or <laughs> sometimes I've, I've been recently into dates. So, you know, that that's like a really sweet piece of fruit and you only need one and it's like, you're good to go for dessert. Mm. Um, what are other favorite? Cause yeah, I'm definitely like, I still crave that kind of finisher at the end of a meal, Sure. that slight sweetness. I also sometimes will do like freeze dried bananas or banana chips and just have a small handful of those. And those are really sweet enough for me. And it's a little bit of starch to kind of get my microbiome some food. Yeah. Yeah, those are my. Those are awesome. Energy. We like yeah. to we yeah, we're on with the dark chocolate too, and you know we oh, love yeah. to go you know grab a you know an organic you know high percentage of cocoa chocolate and just break oh, yeah. it up and mix it with some almonds or some uh, some cashews and kind of give us a little kind of a savory treat with some good fat in there as well. So just to you know finish yeah. this off, right? Well. Uh, well, we're you know we're getting close on time, but you know you've got a podcast as well, Diabetes Unscripted. What, what's the what's yeah. the vision behind that? That's, I listened to a couple episodes. I'm pretty intrigued. Yeah, we're we're still kind of finding our our voice, but um, it's with my friend Corey, who's another fellow type one diabetic, and he's actually an endurance athlete. So he just competed mm-hmm. in his fifth Ironman competition, which is amazing, and it's his second with type one diabetes, and he kept normal blood sugar. So normal, like by his standards, which are higher than most. Um, so between 70 and 120, I think the entire 13 hours of an Ironman, which is just unheard of. Wow. Um, yeah. So he and I, uh, basically kind of have the same idea of how we, how we take care of ourselves, which is like a functional medicine standpoint towards treating type one diabetes and, and a low carb diet. So there's not really one of the big reasons why we started it. And he and I met at paleo FX this past spring. Um, and there, we were both going down that path individually, but there's not really anybody talking about it and there's not a go-to resource. So we just got together and we were like, well, you know, we're kind of figuring this out as we go. Why don't we share our stories and try it? And we both really are research nerds. So we love to just learn about this and read yeah. all about it. And so we're trying to, to represent that kind of outlook towards treating both types of diabetes. That's great. And I love the fact you're taking the fun, functional medicine approach. I mean, I think most people, you know, their first instinct is to, you know, head into the doctor and take what pills they give them. And, yeah. and, and I love the fact that you're kind of yeah, I want to say hacking your, yeah, you know, exactly. your, your situation. And, and I think that's wonderful. And so that's a great resource. Definitely. We'll link that, uh, in the show notes. If anyone wants to check that out. I mean, you mentioned that you guys were, yes. were also, you know, adding the low carbohydrate diet, you know, with your, um, and I, I'm not so sure how prevalent that is in the, in the diabetic community, maybe you know better than I do, but you know, why is a low carb diet beneficial, obviously 
for, you know, maybe obviously it's beneficial for a diabetic, but could that translate over to other people as well? That's my question. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's actually still not recommended for people with diabetes necessarily, or it's not that it's not recommended, but it's not the go-to. And when you talk to someone who, who knows nothing about diabetes, they would be like, oh yeah, you shouldn't have sugar. <laughs> like it's super obvious. <laughs> but I think because for many years people were fighting that and just like, well, I want to be able to eat whatever I want and I'll just take insulin for it. There kind of became this idea that 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 is what was recommended and that a low carb diet was too hard to follow. So that's what the American Diabetes Association actually, that's still what they say is they say, well, yeah, a low carb diet is better, but it's, it's too hard for people to follow, which mm. I think is really frustrating. Cause had someone told me that when I was first diagnosed, I, I'm pretty sure my parents would have jumped on board and been like, well, let's try it at least if it's, <laughs> if it's better. Um, so yeah, yeah. it's, Definitely, I definitely recommend it for anyone with any sort of blood sugar um, issues, diabetes, or prediabetes. For sure, the first thing to do is go low carb. Um, but it, it's better for everyone because everyone is is in that same path. You know, we're we're kind of all headed towards type two diabetes um, with the way that we're eating nowadays. So mm -hmm. it's good for everyone to pay attention to their blood sugar levels and. Be careful about carbs. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you you said it's you know it's hard to follow. It might be hard to follow if you know that you know, if if the FDA still thinks saturated fat is bad. And so there's yeah. you've got a fuel source, another fuel source that could be beneficial, uh, right. you know, in, at a higher you know dietary percentage. But you know now they've handcuffed it, and so they said, well, yeah, it, of course it's a hard to follow a you know, low carb yeah. diet. If all you can eat is chicken breasts and lettuce, <laughs> yeah. you'll, yeah, you'll definitely die. That would be hard and not enjoyable at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've tried it, you know, and I've gotten headaches and it's yeah. just absolutely horrible. Right. Well, Hey, we're, we're coming up on time, but before you go, you know, where can our listeners get a hold of you? Okay, well, definitely check out Keep It Real Food Company, keepitrealfoodcompany.com. Mm -hmm. um, that's where you can buy our products and read more about my story. And then we're also on Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff. And then diabetesunscripted.com and the podcast Diabetes Unscripted. That mm -hmm. is probably the best place to, to find me. Definitely. And we're oh, we're trying out Periscope. Do you know about Periscope? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are, you, are you guys on Periscope with, on Twitter? Diabetes Unscripted is on Periscope every once in a while when we get around to it. So I'm trying to do a little more about that. So awesome. All right. Find us get, there. Guys, I, I'm, some people are too slow to the draw, but you got to jump on Periscope here. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, before you go, I always ask everyone at the end of the show two or three things that if they had a microphone and they could tell the world their advice okay. and their their thing that's, you know, define them. You know, it could be mental, it could be spiritual, it could be physical. What are the couple things that you could just, pieces of advice you could give to people? Oh my gosh. I'm putting you but, right on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one that comes to mind is just to eat real. So mm -hmm. eat real food. Um, and also I, I really do believe that we have the opportunity to change the world through food because we all eat three times a day and we have the opportunity to, as Michael Pollan would say, vote with your fork. 
three times a day. So every time that we eat, we have the choice to eat real, you know, organic foods from the farmer's market or to support a food company like mine that you feel like is doing the right thing and selling products that you get behind and where you spend your money is so powerful. And I, and I really do think, and you know, when, when you buy food, you're also supporting maybe compostable packaging or sustainable practices in business and the, the food companies that are really doing the right thing, you can help support them by buying their food and voting with your fork. Absolutely. Great advice, Katie. I really appreciate yeah. it. Katie yeah. Coleman, keep it real food company. <laughs> Katie, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. 